Hello and welcome to the Tucson Bitcoin Podcast. Today I have Nicole Dahl on, who is the director of Hotel McCoy. As you listen to this interview, I think you'll fall in love with her and the business model that Hotel McCoy has. Uh, It's just incredible. It's so radically different than what we traditionally see in the hospitality industry and just in business in general. You know, they're a community first, uh, employee first organization. And I think we all want that and we all know that there's a lot of benefit to doing that but we just don't see it in the world of business very often and yeah i mean it's been a business that's been hit tremendously hard by uh everything going on with covid and they've been able to survive due to community support which is just you know really incredible and encouraging to hear but you know the sad part is that the struggle is not over you know we're coming to an end in 2020 but you know the chaos looks like it's going to continue anyways you know i really hope you enjoyed this and and hope that uh you take the time to support them and other local businesses that really engage and care about the community welcome nicole good to have you on the podcast thanks for having me so uh you're the director of uh, Hotel McCoy. How long have you guys been open for? Um, we softly opened Labor Day weekend of 2018. So cool. a little over two years. Awesome. And uh, so it's a very community-oriented business. So what, what inspired you to go that route instead of a more traditional business model? Um, so before working with Hotel McCoy, I had a consulting agency working with smaller businesses on um, concepts that could help them stand out in their comp set. It's a little bit harder to be competitive as a smaller business because there's so many of them and a lot of them are like in within whatever industry. So my kind of like reputation as a consultant was one to work with me. You had to be willing to do a people first company culture and two, um, be community minded, not only because it's, you know, the ethical right thing to do, but it's actually a long game revenue driver. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. It it's, seems like a great way to build out a pretty dedicated customer base because when they see a, a company that really cares about the community and cares about their employees, I think they feel good about um, being a customer of your business for sure. Yeah, it allows like, rather than just being like a guest at a hotel, when people stay with us, if they get the concept, it's not for everybody, but if they are like into the, oh, I want to be a part of something and wanting a connection, then they stay there, but they like take a piece of art home with them from a local artist. And then they follow us on Instagram and stay in touch and they become sort of a part of the hotel. Um, And then that is not only like feels really good, just as people that are employees there, like it, it, makes us feel warm and fuzzy when people recognize that we're doing something different but it also then they tell you know their friend who says I'm gonna be driving from Texas to California I know I need to stay somewhere in Arizona they're like oh my gosh you have to stay in the spot and they have like a story to tell rather than like oh the beds were really comfortable and it was clean you know like which is important but you need something a little more than that to gain customer loyalty in the hotel industry yeah absolutely um, next time my uh, family stops by Tucson, I'll, I'll make sure to send them your way. Awesome. <laughs> but, 
One of the things that I thought was really cool that you guys did was um, uh, one year for Christmas, you did what was called a, a Christmas safe space for people. Yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of people have negative connotations with safe space, you know, they hear the word and get upset. And, you know, if for anybody listening, get over it. But, um, <laughs> but uh, what I thought was cool about it is the bar, your bartender was describing why that was important. And one of the things he um, suggested was, or, or stated was that a lot of people just do not have a, a, a great situation with their family and it's really difficult and trying um and so you guys wanted to work with that and offer a place where people could enjoy the holiday um so yeah i I thought that was really cool and it sounded like it was a um employee driven effort um somebody had the idea and you supported it yeah honestly that's like a lot of the things you see at hotel mccoy are um because we have like a sort of a no ego rule in leadership. So a lot of our ideas that you see roll out come from employees that work there. Like um, every Monday on social media, we do a music Monday. And that's one of our awesome front desk agents, Amanda Rochelle. She is a super talented singer and plays the ukulele and guitar. And so she just said, would it be okay if I did a cover song every Monday and we call it music Monday? Like, yeah, that's awesome. So um, every Monday she sings like a song and someday like she covers Amy Winehouse. And last week she wrote her own like version of um, I'm Dreaming for a White Christmas for Tucson. And people always look forward to it. She just has this like smiley face and happy voice. And that's a hundred percent her idea. And just like oh, our employees are all so creative. And um, I've worked in cultures and companies where it's like, no, my title's creative director and I'm in charge of the ideas and like I it hurts my ego for you to come to me and so it was really important at this hotel to to make sure that we actually had a policy against that it's like everybody who has an idea can come forward and share it and a lot of times you know my answer when someone comes with a creative idea is like okay how does that work how are you going to execute it like if you're willing to take lead on it and make it happen like you can have the hours to do it and flex your creativity and it's just been pretty successful because we do a lot of cool stuff and it's just like it's not uh, like 50% of the time not my idea at all yeah absolutely uh one of one of the things that I've noticed well I haven't been alive very long but in my lifetime what we've seen is a um a consolidation of like just about every industry going more and more corporate and in the corporate environment I think people feel really um or can feel very disempowered and uh, unimportant. And there's like an attitude of, um, you know, you have to comply. I I know I worked in a corporate setting and I bring ideas um, to my uh, uh, supervisors pretty frequently and they would just treat me like I was a moron and, (laughs) and uh, which is fine. But there's there's another thing coupled with it. um, which is that majority of the country is living paycheck to paycheck and doesn't have the luxury to really like, uh, stir the pot and push back, um, in that type of environment. And, uh, you know, because like getting fired would mean a catastrophe, loss of insurance, uh, you know, potential eviction, you know, 
people don't have savings. They, they live off credit cards in the, in the uh, form of a crisis. So I think having a, a work environment um, for your employees that's like that could be really refreshing. And I think uh, the small business environment is definitely tailored uh, to provide that a lot more because it's personal and yeah. It's interesting because like, I think for a long time, sorry, a long time, like that was the case. And then there's been a little bit of a shift where like corporations with social media have more accountability than small businesses almost. So, um, like, I think that was the old school corporate way, but now you see like bigger businesses that are really having to be upfront about here's how we're taking care of our employees, especially with like 2020. And it's almost been like tougher for small businesses because you don't have that um, reserve, you know, where corporations like I think Starbucks floated there when they closed stores at the beginning of COVID. Um, I have a friend who works for Starbucks and they like floated their employees paycheck, even though the store was closed. And that's like so cool that they were able to do that, but like some smaller businesses can't. And so I think, you know, for our business, I can only speak on ours having like a people first culture without the corporate responsibility is really important and i would love to say that all small businesses are like-minded but i've worked with a lot of small businesses and that's not always the case sometimes you get into this like um especially when it's like if some sometimes in small businesses the person running it it's very like ego driven and that old mm -hmm. school like I'm your boss. You should be so lucky to work here. And because I've worked in those situations and I worked in corporate, when I had the opportunity to lead Hotel McCoy, it was really my first time, you know, doing a startup. And our mission is to open more locations. So when I started building the, um, you know, kind of like mission and policies and procedures and values, I was doing so thinking like, okay, how can I make this work with one location, but also make sure that we are committed to these values with 10 locations. Um, and so part of that is like, and I'm not perfect. Like sometimes still when some, when an employee comes to me and says like, you messed up or I have this idea and I, and I like start to get stressful or it hurts my ego. Like I can feel myself shutting it down right away. And then I mm -hmm. literally have to check myself and remember like, you've made a commitment to be like an ethical, open, communicative leader. And I'll say, if I need to, I'll say like, let me take a day, you know, and like cheesy cliche business line, let me take a day and circle back to it. Um, and then by the time I've circled back, I'm like, yeah, tell me your idea, let's go. But I think it takes a lot of, a lot more work to run your business that way and your corporation that way. But ultimately like for me, like I would not want to run a business where people are miserable and constantly like looking for other jobs because they don't want to be there. Work is work. It's, you're always going to have tough days, but ultimately like my goal is to provide a place for people to work and feel excited about coming in and feel appreciated and feel valued and feel like a sense of like purpose and belonging. Cause I don't know. I spent like a good chunk of my twenties, not in those situations. And it's really mentally taxing to not you know, we spend more time at work than we do at home. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, yeah, it takes a lot of energy to admit that you're wrong and, and self-evaluate for sure. It's a lot it's easier. Just for sure. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, I think when I've had employers that have been able to use that, it, it, uh, 
it, it builds a whole new level of trust and respect and loyalty um, to know that uh, this person isn't just out to take, you know, to exploit you for your labor and take yeah. advantage of you. And yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the most important skill sets to have is uh, to be able to admit that you made a mistake and admit that you were wrong. And, uh, but yeah, so you kind of alluded to 2020 being a tough year for small businesses. Um, how have you guys uh, uh, handled that? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because like nobody was prepared for you know, a pandemic or the economic ramifications of our reaction to it. So when, you know, we had a great January and February, um, like really great. We were like, ooh, we're gonna exceed in 2018, which was cool. And then March, um, all of a sudden we had the cancellations and in the hotel industry, people prepay, right? So you're kind of like running on future revenue. Um, so when the cancellations came, you're having to refund people with money that sometimes like has already been spent, which is kind of scary. Um, luckily, like we have a very smart investment team. So we were, we were prepared as much as one could possibly be. Um, I, I think initially I was like, oh my gosh, what can we do? I started 2020 with like four white hairs and now like I have to dye my hair because I have a full like half of a head of white hairs because the stress of like you know not only wanting to succeed in my own job but having 20 employees that whose livelihood come off of this job and then all of a sudden having you know 100 people staying at a hotel and zero was really scary um but I was like okay I've kind of like lived my life on when everybody's panicking instead of focusing on my own fear, how can we help others? And so that's kind of always been the hotels thing. So instead of being like, ah, we need help. We were like, who can we serve? And so we um, realized that a lot of artists and hospitality workers were losing their income. There was no eviction moratorium. And then also in like the arts industry, a lot of times people are renting rooms uh, without leases or staying on couches. And when you have everyone telling you, like, there's this horrible, scary virus going around, um, people were like, okay, I'm not going to rent you a room in my house anymore. You need to go find somewhere else because I need to be able to, like, quarantine with my family or I don't like the way that you're living your life right now and it's not comfortable for me. So you had all these people displaced uh, from their homes. So Hotel McCoy offered, we reduced a, our monthly rate and we offered a reduced rate and then we... Uh, worked with our investors to offer a grant, a housing grant to people to help supplement that. So we had some artists staying with us um, for like all utilities paid for like a very, very nominal fee. And we did it at a, at a bit of a loss, but it was like, we had these rooms empty and we had this need that needed to be filled. And so we kind of on a leap of faith, we're like, if we help where we can, the community will come back and support us when, when they're able to and when we need it to. And that's exactly what happened. People were like, wow, thank you for helping our artists in our community. When it's safe for me to take a staycation, I'm going to. Or when people travel, I'm going to come to you. And then because of that reaction, and then we also did like um, free breakfast for like wildfire victims and, or people that were housed people that were displaced from the fires. But because of that reaction of helping, people in Tucson came and supported us and we had a better summer, a better June and July, 2020 fiscally than we did in 2019. 
because of locals coming and taking staycations because they're like, you helped our community, we're here to help you. And I thought that was, I mean, I wasn't sure what was gonna happen, but that was a really beautiful turn of events. So we had a really rough March, April, May, and then summer was awesome because of, because of locals and like people from Phoenix taking staycations. And then we really responded early with a, a cleaning campaign called Beyond Clean. And we were like, whatever the CDC and the um, AHLA, which is like the American Hotel and Lodging Association, whatever they say the standards are, we're gonna do a little bit above. So uh, that's what we've been doing. So before Tucson or, Tucson or Pima or anybody mandated us to do certain things, we were already doing them. And we shared on our website, like we do drive-through check-in, our bar was takeout only. We aren't entering the rooms when you're in there. When a guest checks out, we leave the room empty for 24 hours before our staff enters and cleans it. So you know that like no one's been in that room, then it's deep cleaned. We got UV wands. So we're, we're doing whatever, like regardless of what anyone's personal opinion is on, on this, like our job is to make anyone who is nervous feel safe. And so we did that from the beginning. And then because of that, we also got a lot of bookings and then coupled with the fact that our employees are Little, literal like the most amazing people I think to make people feel welcome and warm and connected with half your face covered is a talent that is underrated like my the people that I work with are absolutely incredible my housekeeping team like people will come and say this is the cleanest hotel I actually feel safe here and then my front desk team they're like they're so friendly I haven't felt like warmth and connection in months and your your employee um just made me feel like a human again for the first time in months. Mm -hmm. So that all of that combined helped us uh, survive 2020. And I don't, I don't like share our exact numbers, but I'll say like the national average of hotels is down 54% from 2019 to 2020. And then I believe Tucson January to August was down 34%. And I can say that our hotel did better than both of those numbers. And all of that is because of, you know, our incredible team and uh, that response and we've been doing great um the latest like regulations in pima and tuma pima and tucson have affected us um fiscally and it's very frustrating to have pivoted and persevered and then get one more hit at the end of the year um but we're just doing what we can and and still like keeping people safe and being positive and being warm and and trying to just keep surviving yeah, I mean, wow, that is a pretty impressive story. And I think I think people need to hear stuff like that uh, because what we've seen across the board is just this demoralization of society. People are isolated. Um, you know, they turn on the news and it's just one terrible thing after another. You know, there's a lot of like partisan fighting and, you know, this guy is bad, this guy is good, you know, black and white thinking, um, uh, just, just a lot of craziness. And, and to hear that um, being involved in your community, like as a business owner, that you can make a difference and help people. Like uh, some of the most horrifying things I've seen have been um, the people impacted by the wildfires. Uh, to, to, I mean, I just can't imagine what it'd be like to to uh, have to leave your home and then to return to it, just burned down. Everything is just gone. Um, and the, the sense of powerlessness and to have, um, you know, a business that welcomes you and 
and is working to take care of you. And I mean, that's just incredible that you guys were able to do that. Um, Yeah, it's, it's been pretty disappointing to me to see the way um, a lot of the decisions our elected officials have, have been making are impacting average people and, um, uh, and impacting small businesses. Um, because it, it, one of the things I, I've, I had um, Paul Mendoza on the podcast from the Tucson Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, and he was talking about the importance of uh, small businesses and community as far as like, you know, when we go and we spend money at like these bigger corporations like Target versus, um, you know, a local shop, uh, the um, proportion of the money staying in, in the community is just like a night and day difference. Um, and uh, and so, I, I mean, I just can't um, emphasize enough the, the importance of uh, in our community, the 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 role that people like you have um, and just making sure that, you know, there is a thriving economy. And, and, and I think, you know, another thing that's been really disappointing in 2020 is like how the word economy is being associated with the stock market because the stock market is not a representation of the economy. The economy is like, um, you know, the savings that people have, uh, you know, homelessness and unemployment, things like that. And, um, one of the things that you talked about was um, the uh, the uh, uh, eviction moratorium. Um, that was something that I I didn't really think of until I had somebody on the podcast talking about it. Um, as far as the amount of people that have been thrown out of their home, that will be thrown out of their homes because of uh, things outside of their control. Um, it's not been something that's covered in the news a lot. So what, what have you seen around that specifically? Yeah, it's really tough. Like, I think that's a sensitive subject because I mean, a lot of, I know people that are renters. Like I actually just bought a house like before I was renting and I had to leave because um, they raised the rent. So I've been a renter. I also know people who are landlords and like part of their rent is their income. And because there was no mortgage moratorium, but there was an eviction moratorium, that's causing like a whole nother crisis. It's just, it was, I'll say this about policy. Um, I think that when a lot of the policy made in 2019 and 2020, especially um, locally here, county and city, has been very focused on physical health, which is important. Like we do need to be protected from um, a virus for sure. But when you're making policy, you have to think of mental health and physical health too. And if you're not thinking of all three, um, I mean, like I just saw the headlines today that suicide has spiked twice in Pima County this year. And it's not surprising to me because economic devastation is wildly depressing. So the eviction moratorium is ending. Hopefully something will come through, but I also think like a mortgage moratorium needs to come through. That's more of a federal policy, but um, then just, just anytime you make a policy like that, there has to be like an, an aid package that comes through that takes care of everybody involved. Um, we, we have, you know, I think we still have seven like people living with us at the hotel from that, um, that they're because of their, career fields they still haven't been able to recover to go find 
traditional living spaces and like we we're doing it for as long as we can but like we do if we're gonna be providing that aid eventually we're gonna need help too so yeah it's a tough it's a tough thing like I think we I'm pretty vocal on my social my personal social media that um I respect and actually care for personally a lot of people who work in government in Tucson and Pima like I know their hearts but I'm really disappointed with the rollout because we do have people that are um losing their homes and what I know I can think of three people off the top of my head that are very valuable contributing community members that are actually in the middle of moving to Maricopa or even out of state because they no longer have a viable way to survive in Tucson or Pima but they're able to do that elsewhere and that to me is alarming because our community like what makes Tucson special is our people and if we're losing people who want to be here but can't economically survive that's a problem mm -hmm. yeah absolutely I um I'm a pretty staunch uh um, I, I believe pretty strongly in Austrian economics and, uh, uh, you know, some of my heroes are, are people like Friedrich Hayek. And, and when you're talking, he, a lot of his work comes to mind where he talks about, um, the government being unable to intervene in the economies, uh, well, um, and uh, I think, you know, what it comes down to, and like what you said, is it's a really difficult topic because there's a lot of good people trying to help. Um, and I think what this is showing is just, you know, the tools are um, that they have at their disposal aren't, aren't the most helpful. So, you know, every time that there's a government decision to do anything in the economy, whether it's subsidies or taxes or... Um, you know, just shutting down and restrictions. Um, uh, there's unintended consequences. And it's really hard to make decisions because um, oftentimes they're making decisions off of bad data. Um, so like a lot of the data that they use to make decisions like CPI or consumer price index, which um, measures inflation is just a total bogus um, uh, metric because we know that everything's getting more expensive at a rate higher than two to three percent a year so like you know the things that matter like healthcare and, and stuff like that and it it impacts us and it impacts our community and and is um pretty devastating so yeah um so as far as inflation so since you've been a business owner have you noticed um things getting more expensive and and it being difficult to deal with yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, uh, I can only really speak for hotels right now. We, but our rates have stayed like kind, pretty much the same because in hotels you have like a comp set so or a competition set and it's like you all kind of like look at each other and you're like, what are they doing? What are they doing? And you can't raise the rate and then your comp set not raise the rate because then people are gonna book there because even if you're cool and friendly, you know, $20 is $20. Um, so we haven't raised our rates, but our expenses have gone up like on supplies, especially cleaning supplies are more expensive. And obviously that's like a must have. Um, we are really lucky because we work with local vendors when we can. And like 
our local vendors, like we work with Presta Coffee and Tucson's Molly's and Blue Factory and all of them really keep their prices so fair. So that's been great. But some, I would say like the cleaning supplies have been our biggest, um, our biggest hit this year. And then, um, yeah, that's probably the big one. It's just like, you have to, especially with COVID, you have mm -hmm. to have quality cleaning supplies. And then when, you know, you think about like as a hotel or a restaurant, you have to have disinfectant, you have to have bleach, you have to have toilet paper. And as a consumer, just like it was hard for us to find that personally, it's also difficult to find that as a business. And because of that, the suppliers are able to raise their prices. And so our costs went up as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, toilet paper has been a ridiculous thing that's happened. And <laughs> it's yeah. just as a hotel with like 90 rooms and you know 101 bathrooms it's like we had to get some toilet paper yeah um all those selfish people that are stockpiling it and being weird you need to cut it out um yeah it's i mean that's an interesting one so that's kind of like a double whammy so when um there's a need to really step up the cleaning requirements all the cleaning supplies go up pretty substantially so so where have you had to cut my money um or spending in certain places to be able to kind of eat those at added costs um no and you know what's really interesting i was just talking to i had a meeting with one of our investors today our main investor and like i'm we're really lucky um like without saying too much, like none of our salaried employees have had to take salary cuts. We haven't done any wage cuts. Um, we, I, the hotel industry is like the last major industry in line to, to understand that people are an investment and not a cost. And I have some theories on why that is, but um, I have a lot of friends that work in hotels and like immediately when COVID started, a lot of the hotel management companies and corporations cut salaries across the board, like 20, 20% was kind of a magical number and then had salaried employees working like 80 hours a week to cover hourly employees and then furloughed all the hourly employees. And I've just been a big believer from the beginning that people are an amenity, right? Like that's one of the reasons you choose to go frequent a business is how your, your customer interaction and experiences. So I'm really like thankful to work with investors that understood that. And so they have, you know, not had a great year as investors, but we haven't cut costs and labor. And so really our big costs are labor and supplies. So labor, we didn't cut supplies went up. Um, we, we really haven't cut back on spending, but also like, I think because of that, our revenue hasn't dropped as much as anybody else. I mean, obviously like there's less labor because we have less guests, but um, no, our strategy was a little different and we're kind of, we talk about the long game, right? So you can, you can play business in the short game or the long game. And then the short game, you're just like, what expenses can I cut this year? Because revenue is low this year. And that's one way to go about it. But I believe that the best approach for business is a long game. So if I can treat my employees or, you know, as a business, cause I'm an employee too, if we can treat our employees like, okay, this is a tough year, but we, we understand that like 
you're still the same person and the same value. So we're not going to cut your salary. We're going to take a loss as like a business and an investor for this year. And then our hope is that when things get better, that everyone feels that, okay, I was cared for. Nobody cut my salary. Nobody cut my wage. And now like this, whereas I look at the hotel over there and everybody's salaries got cut. I don't know. I can't say for sure that it's the right approach, but it feels like the right approach to me that you do that. So I would guess like we haven't cut expenses in other ways. I mean, in relativity we have, you know, like we're obviously not, if we're not sold out, we don't need as many employees like on staff. So ours have gotten cut a little bit, but not that much. And yeah, I, I'd, uh, I, we do things very differently from other hotels, but again, I think that that's part of the reason why our, our like actual revenue didn't drop as much as the national average. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what you're describing is so different from, uh, a large majority of other countries and just the, the business attitude in general of, uh, I mean, I, I saw a funny tweet, um, from Elon Musk saying that too many, uh, American companies are ran by MBAs. And, uh, um, and I think also, uh, you know, something that it, it really, what you're talking about, I think really describes the character of your investors. Um, and, it, it just says a lot for them to be able to forego, you know, some return. And I think probably it's because they believe in the long term of what you guys are doing over there. And I think um, that is a pretty cool aspect. But yeah, I mean, as far as like the short term um, versus the long term, there's there's this idea of like just leveraging up on debt. Um, and I think the incentive structure is built that way um, because it you know, um, I won't, I won't go into it too much, but like when we look at the stock market, um, and the way that these companies are valued, uh, there's this attitude of like, um, <laughs> like I saw a funny tweet about all the different tech companies and their valuation, like comparing Tesla to Ford, um, specifically because Ford, you know, has this huge, um, uh, kind of dominant uh, market share, you know, they, they, their trucks are everywhere. You see like a hundred Ford cars for um, one Tesla and uh, if not more, and yet, you know, the valuation uh, of Tesla is driven so much higher. And I think that's, you know, it's something that's really unfortunate because when you look at the incentive structures, it there's, there's energy working against, um, you know, your business model as far as, you know, investors, focused on returns, um, you know, the, these, you're not a publicly traded company, but like in the, in the public world, you know, there's any sort of added revenue that they get, they, um, dump into share buybacks and they, they borrow, um, for share buybacks, you know, to prop up the, uh, value of the stock to make investors happy. And it, it's just, it's, um, all done at the expense of normal people at the end of the day. And I think that's really, really sad. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's why I'm so adamant about, you know, the, these different things. So, um, so yeah, uh, as far as like it, one thing that you talked about earlier is you, you said you had a good investment team. 
Um, so does it mean that you take your savings and, and have to put it into different financial tools other than cash or, or what, what did you mean by that? Um, we have like our main investor and one other investor in this location. And I just mean that they oh. are very smart and, and, and like, yet they consider people, which is really nice because I don't think I would be able to work there otherwise. Um, and even right now, like I'm having just being like fully vulnerable this, this particular week has been really hard because um, as soon as Pima banned sports and the curfew came, we got this whole new, we'd like just been, you know, finding like our, our like footing and all of this. And then that new regulation that just came out in December um, caused another flood of cancellations and people calling and saying like, oh, I'm going to Phoenix now because or I'm going to Scottsdale now. And so I'm watching our, our occupancy fall in a new way that I wasn't anticipating and having to, you know, lighten the schedule because if there's only 30 people staying at our hotel, I don't need a full staff. And it's like right before Christmas and it's just really hard because even though I'm not cutting anybody's wage, I just can't, like as a business, I can't have a bunch of people at work with nothing to do. Like, you know, our housekeeping team cleans the rooms until they're clean. And if there's only 12 rooms to clean, there's only 12 rooms to clean. And so we were doing so well and we were sold out almost every night. And then it's just like people see you know, a soccer tournament gets moved to Phoenix and then you lose 10 rooms there. And then the volleyball tournament moves to Phoenix and you lose 10 rooms there. And I'm really like, I, besides going to work and grocery shopping, like I stay home, I'm personally not playing volleyball tournaments. So I understand like not feeling safe with them, but I think if we're going to make those decisions and put ourselves like, you know, give all the business to Phoenix, then we have to we have to come through with some sort of aid package for employees because my, you know, we are as a business running out of money to, to float any further and we need some help. And I don't know, like I'm in, I'm pretty discouraged this week. Like I'm trying to personally like gather some help to help employees so they can still have a Christmas. And it's just like sad, you know, like I feel no one's talking about everyone's talking about how it's impacting small businesses and that's really important, but we're not talking a lot about how it's impacting paycheck to paycheck employees, which like I also am one. So we're not talking about like someone who works on an hourly wage and tips how this is affecting them. And I'm kind of, I think we all know that small businesses are suffering right now. And I appreciate the recognition that everyone gives, but my really focus right now is let's talk about how it's affecting the servers and the front desk agent and the person that works um, the cashier at a small boutique retail store or the busser or the chef. Like when business goes down, you have to cut hours. And when you cut hours, you cut wages and you cut tips. And so we're doing this right before Christmas. And it's just like making me so sad. I've just, I haven't slept for like five days. That to me is the most devastating part of this whole year is just this last like blow. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, 
were you involved with uh i know the curfew was supposed to be initially at 8 p.m were you involved in kind of lobbying for it to be a little bit later no i didn't like when the regulations rolled out at the very beginning of covid like back in march and april i was asked to be on like an advisory panel uh, to the city and county but i if there was one this time i wasn't asked to be a part of it um i personally am not a believer that a, like i don't think a curfew impacts the spread of the virus um because people who are going to be gathering are going to do it curfew or not um i think 8 p.m was way too early I think 10 p.m. is just, I don't think it makes enough of an impact for our hospitals and it devastates us economically. Um, I think better, I have my own opinions. Like I think if we had, there's other things that you can do, um, but I won't get into it. But I'd, I don't think that that was the best choice for the most impact on preventing spread of the virus. I think there was other things you could do that would have been not only more impactful and less economically devastating, but I was not like asked my opinion by anybody. Yeah, it's um, it it seems like the way that our elected officials have handled it, and, and I'm talking more from a bipartisan standpoint. It's not uh, the Republicans are good and the Democrats are bad on this front, or the opposite. But um, I, I think they've handled it so horrendously and they've done everything in the worst possible way so shutdowns without the uh the stimulus like you're talking about and yeah i mean there's such a disconnect between uh you know when when we're talking about the economy we're talking about people it's it's not like like you like you were explaining earlier it was you know pretty heart jerking honestly because it's 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 not about 401ks it's not about the stock market it's about kids um eating food and staying in houses it's about um people having you know an outlook on the future where they can like actually pursue things that they want to do um and enjoy life instead of you know being consumed by stress and being torn apart by decisions that they have no control over. And, um, and I, I think, yeah, it's one of the big challenges right now is looking in the future and saying that I, you know, I can feel hope that things are going to get better. I think a lot of people are struggling to see, um, see that it's, it's going to be a long recovery for sure. And I do think, and just like on full disclosure, I'm like the most bipartisan person you'll ever meet. Like I've, I voted for some people who are in office right now and I don't vote by party. I'm registered independent. Um, and I think that, I think Tucson will be okay because we have such a vocal community. Like there are people that are speaking up um, and advocating for better policy. It may not happen overnight, like you said, but just in the interim for the right now, like my, my priority is figuring out for like my own microcosm of Hotel McCoy, like how can I respond to this lack of hours to like make sure that everyone at least has like an okay Christmas. Cause I think it's like a personal thing. I grew up in like with not a lot of money in like a rural area. And we had years where we like literally skipped Christmas because of money. And that 
is like really hard for kids because you get told, fed this line like Santa will bring you presents when you're good and it's like well actually like if your parents don't have any money then how, psychologically what does that do with the kids so I think I'm on this like personal mission to make sure that everybody has some sort of Christmas you know um and so that's why I like it's been making me so sad this just I thought because we'd been like October November I'm like okay we're we're still here like people are staying with us um, and everybody's been like safe, you know, like because of our, all of our policies and procedures. And then I just was not expecting anything different in December. And, and I wasn't expecting a change in policy. And I guess even when I heard about it, I didn't realize that it would impact us so much until like the sporting events got canceled. And I was like, oh boy. And so just, I'm sort of tapped out of resources as a business and as an individual on how to respond to this and so that's what makes it really hard yeah yeah i mean it's it's been pretty impressive to see your optimism throughout this conversation and i think that um you know there's a guy named anthony pompliano and he one thinks he says it is to never underestimate the spirit of the american uh, entrepreneur and i think that that is a it's a very true state. Entrepreneurs, I think, have a have a whole different attitude and outlook on life in the sense of, you know, you're a problem solver. You know, you see issues and you try and bring solutions, like real action. Um, yeah. I, re- I follow like Gary Vee or Gary Vaynerchuk a lot. And I, I think that like, I like his, his attitude. He's always just like kindness, you know, lead with kindness and, and be as optimistic as you can. You know, you have to be a pragmatic, but it doesn't really do any good to like curl up in a ball and, and be in despair. It's like, you have to kind of forge ahead and do what you can to turn things around. I mean, it's okay to be upset or sad, but when you're moving forward, it has to be sort of with like a, a belief that things are going to get better and that you have power to make them better. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I, the timing for me and my uh, business venture this year has been uh, pretty good. What with, uh, um, you know, the price of Bitcoin spiking and interest uh, (laughs) growing in it, but then also just like everything that people in the Bitcoin space have been predicting for years, as far as like um, poor monetary policy by the fed and, you know, by the treasury department, um, it, it, it just like globally too it's 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 all kind of coming true um and it, it feels good to be a part of something that like gives me hope for the future of like having a tool that could really like empower people because yeah. um i hate seeing um unfair wealth inequality and you know i don't think that wealth inequality is inherently bad because i think that people that produce more um should be rewarded for it but you know, in, in our current monetary system, you know, there's, there's the, in, you know, people that are in the big club and the people that everybody else that isn't, we see that pretty clearly in Tucson where the majority of us are not in the club, you know, we're just kind of hanging on, get gradually getting poorer and poorer by inflation. And uh, as everybody else, or not everybody else is a very like small uh, portion of the population really, um, benefits from it and it's uh 
it can be really demoralizing if you don't have the tools to really fight it. Um, and the thing that's incredible about Bitcoin is it is a peaceful revolution. It's not going outside of Jeff Bezos's house with guillotines. It's um, <laughs> like we saw this year. It's, uh, you know, having a form of money that people can't just like arbitrarily debase and, and steal from you, um, which I think is empowering. I actually, I, I did an interview with um, a restaurant owner in Canada who put all of his company's savings in Bitcoin. Oh, wow. um, yeah, that was a, that was a pretty cool interview. Um, but we're, we're starting to see that, you know, mass mutual um, has a big position in Bitcoin now uh, micro strategy does. Um, and I think that's going to be a growing thing. And I, I hope the small businesses don't miss out because, you know, if, if you have savings and cash, it's just, a melting ice cube that's gonna be gone and yeah it's no, i think that there's i think people are hungry for a way to take back some semblance of financial control yeah i mean my experience before bitcoin was having no financial control whatsoever of like living the paycheck to paycheck lifestyle and yeah. it's um i mean one of the things that i've enjoyed listening to you talk about is just that that uh low time preference of of looking into the future and thinking long-term um, because that's so opposite of the majority of the way our society works. And um, I think it's a, it's a definite recipe for success yet. The, uh, the fed would probably disagree. They want you uh, spending and borrowing as much as possible. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, we're, we're um, uh, or some, how, how could the community support, Hotel McCoy during this time of trouble? Um, well, we always love if people like plan, we say plan for the future, right? One way like people can support any like local business or local independently owned hotel or hospitality industry in us is to say um, postpone, don't cancel. So if you do not, if you have a reservation somewhere and you don't feel comfortable going, instead of canceling, you can postpone and just ask for a credit on a future stay. That's super helpful. Um, secondly is planning for the future. Like, all right, I, if you don't feel comfortable booking a stay right now, book one for, you know, May or June or whenever you feel like you're going to be comfortable. Um, if you have that, the cash now, like that really helps us. Um, and then like some financial, non-financial ways that people can support us because I know not everyone has the funds right now to, to support financially are um, going on like a website like Google or TripAdvisor and leaving a five-star positive review or 10-star or whatever it is. Um, and I never ask people to lie, but it's like if, if you've, you know, garnered, garnered any positivity off of us, you know, whether it's like you want to go there and say, five stars, their social media is really uplifting or, you know, five stars, they're really active in our community. Um, those positive reviews help us because they make people who are comfortable traveling and coming to Tucson choose us, you know, over say like a more corporate uh, place. That's another way um, engaging on social media with us. Every time you engage on social media with a small business, um, if you save their post, share their post, comment or like on their post, the algorithm of Instagram will then show it to other people. So that's like another way that people can support um, businesses like Hotel McCoy. And, and I would just say like for anyone watching or listening, um, if there's a small business that you, if you hear that they close, like let's say tomorrow you love Hotel McCoy and someone said Hotel McCoy closed down. If like that, 
thought invokes any kind of emotional reaction with you about any business, like I have my favorite restaurant in Tucson, and if they close, I'd be devastated, like then support them now. Go buy a gift certificate, go buy takeout food, book a future stay, support them on social media, leave them a positive review. Um, anything you can do right now to support small businesses is really helpful. I think the statistic now is that one in six restaurants in America has closed. Um, and it's, hotels are not far behind. And it's the small guys that are closing, you know, not the corporations. We're not seeing a lot of like Applebee's and Best Westerns closing, but we're seeing a lot of independent restaurants and hotels closing. So that those are just some ways that they can support. Plan for the future, postpone, don't cancel, positive reviews and engaging on social media. And Applebee's sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Best I mean, Western, not far behind. <laughs> I haven't been to one in a long time, but I did love myself a mudslide when I was 21. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you, so you guys have a, a bar that people can just drop in and get coffee and stuff like uh, that? Normally, yes. It's closed, it's closed for dine-in now, so it's just takeout, but people can come and grab. We only do Tucson craft beer and Arizona wine, so if someone wants a bottle of like wine for Christmas, we sell um, bottles of wine to go. We have a really cool gift shop of like local Tucson made goods. We have an art gallery. Um, art is a great Christmas gift, and any piece of art you buy from the hotel, 100% of the money goes to the artist, so that's a really great way to support the artists in our community, and we have pieces like from $25 all the way up to 2000. So there's a little something for every art lover out there. I don't know if people know they can just come to our gallery and purchase art. Hmm. Yeah, I might have to check that out. Yeah, we have some really cool pieces. Well, I got to say, I'm pretty blown away by this conversation and what you guys are doing. So I Thanks. definitely will seek ways to support you guys because I, I think this that. is, and that's one of the greatest parts about Tucson too, is, is the attitude of, of pro um, local businesses and uh, yeah pro community oriented yeah. things I think yeah. that's one of the oh. I don't know that we would have had the same story to tell if we weren't in Tucson and that's like one of the reasons why I'm gonna sit here and like fight for our community because Tucson's a special place yeah and I think you know if anybody's listened to this and it, it one of the things that's really difficult about a chaotic time like this is it's really easy to retreat into yourself and just numb out and throw on the Mandalorian or whatever <laughs> and uh but yeah I mean doing things that are um tangibly helping your community are ways to like really find meaning and purpose in the times of chaos um 100 yeah we I say can say very like honestly Hotel McCoy needs the community right now and that's just that can be repeated for any local business right now. Like I said, it doesn't have to be financially, just like even words of encouragement. Like when someone comments on our social media, like we love you guys and we can't wait to stay with you again. All of our employees read it and it, hmm. it is encouraging. Just encouragement alone goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, well, I really appreciate your time and uh, look forward to staying in contact in the future yeah, and seeing, maybe so seeing you over at the yeah yeah if i'm gonna be honest uh i felt my eyes tear up a couple of times during that conversation uh it's just so hard to see the pain in our communities and and i think it's something that is discredited and you know a lot of people are just 
being trashed and demonized right now. Um, the thing that's difficult about a crisis like this is that there's just so much nuance involved. Any decision has adverse effects, and it's really sad, you know, the way that our our governments have responded. It's like they want to do everything in the worst way possible. They want to shut down and restrict businesses without any sort of financial help, you know, and it's it's just silly. Like the the idea of rallying behind and trusting in these people is just so ludicrous. And I'm not talking about Donald Trump or Joe Biden. I'm, I'm talking about all of them. They're all complicit in this. They're all complicit in the uh, destruction of our communities. And it's going to be awful to see the long-term impacts of these decisions. Um, but yeah, I mean, I and I think that's why conversations like this are so important because, you know, it gives us tools to really support our community, you know, to go out and support local businesses that treat their employees well, uh, really believe in supporting local. Um, I mean, I think that's a winning business model. I really do. It, uh, especially in a place like Tucson that's so community-oriented, it's taken away from these... Um, now, I'm not, like, anti-corporation necessarily. Like, I think there's a lot of corporations that add a lot of value to our society. But what I'm against is the monetary system that punishes normal people and essentially incentivizes uh, these larger corporations to act in a way that's so irresponsible to to, rally, to just rile up so much debt and get bailed out with our money like this was a big issue that came up in 2008 and it's an issue that you know i haven't heard a lot of talking about uh in the mainstream you know these bailouts of these large corporations that uh you know, give their executives these million dollar bonuses while getting, uh, uh, declaring bankruptcy and getting bailed out with our money. It's just, it's just ludicrous. And, and, and businesses, you know, smaller businesses aren't getting that. Like I, um, yeah, whatever. I'll get off my, my soapbox, but it, you know, I think in a crisis like this, you know, when we're all wrestling with, um, despair and, and and it's struggling to see hope for the future having really tangible ways to make a difference are, is so helpful and you know one of the things she talked about is you don't you know you may not have money but you can go out on social media and support these local businesses um you can uh you know just do all sorts of different things you know tell your friends um, you know, I'm going to tell my family to stay there every time they come and visit Tucson instead of wherever else they stay because it's such a cool place. And I think they'll really enjoy it, too. It's not like you're uh, sacrificing quality to support local either. Like there are some amazing local businesses that are so fantastic um, and, you know, even competitively um or even competitive when it comes to rates, you know, that's one of the things that they focus on is making affordable rates. And it's just so cool to see um, how they've handled the crisis so far. And I look forward to seeing what they do in the future. And uh, yeah, I might spend New Year's over uh, with them. I'm doing a live stream that day on uh, 
with some local Arizona Bitcoiners. I might head over to Hotel McCoy afterwards. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, um, if you want to learn more about Bitcoin, Bitcoin is the ultimate tool to step out of this nonsense, you know, to be self-sovereign financially. We're all getting poorer and poorer, you know, when we're getting paid in cash due to inflation. You know, and all these smart economists and government officials say that inflation doesn't really exist and we need to target a certain inflation rate. And any normal person knows that that's a load of BS. Um, all you have to do is just look back at how more expensive things have gotten over the past 10 years. Like look at rent, look at uh, health care, look at education, look at food. Um, you know, gas has gone down, but, <laughs> you know, that that's a whole other topic in and of itself. But um, you look at all these things and, and then compare it to uh, how much you're getting paid at work. You know, has that followed uh, the same rate that we've been uh, experiencing the increase in these prices? No, it hasn't. Bitcoin, on the other hand, doesn't have a magical money printer that, you know, some person you know sitting in a secretive bank can just like endlessly print at at will you know it has a very fixed supply schedule so it, it has a monetary policy and uh, a level of scarcity that nothing before it has ever had and that's why we're seeing these big corporations say that holding cash is dumb bonds are stupid you know we need to put our money somewhere and they're putting it in bitcoin and it's really really exciting um and i think that more and more people can do it too but it's so much more than a uh financial tool um for your financial health that, that, that's just a small part of it you know what bitcoin is about is about tearing down the broken financial system and really empowering people, becoming a self-sovereign person. Because when you're self-sovereign, when you have your finances in check, you can do these things. You can uh, go out and support these local businesses. You have the freedom to do things that you wouldn't be able to do if you're living paycheck to paycheck. And part of that is the number goes up technology. You know, Bitcoin is just, you know, kind of designed to increase in value. Um, but a, a large portion of it is just operating unencumbered by government you know the bank can't freeze your funds if you're doing stuff and you know people hear that and they typically think of illegal activities or whatever um but uh you know it comes down to all sorts of things it comes down to freedom of press it comes down to freedom of uh expression you know the first amendment um comes down to the fourth amendment it, you know it's just you know bitcoin is an insurance policy against government tyranny and we have seen the government do awful things to people over and over again and that's a bipartisan issue you know it's not a republican or democrat you know this demonization of one side is so awful because it takes away so much power from uh us the people and two it it's just it, it's disastrous it, it allows for there to be no accountability and you know, having your money in something that can't be debased, you know, can't be arbitrarily like seized, can't be uh, taxed out of existence is phenomenal. It's a game changer. So if you want to learn more, uh, I got some beginner uh, 
classes on, or not classes, but talks on uh, Patreon. You can join for a dollar a month. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm always happy to have a conversation. You can reach out to me at on Twitter at the Tucson Bitcoin Podcast. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on, sort of on Facebook, begrudgingly. Um, and you can email me at betteringtucsonblockchain at gmail. And I just, you know, I want to see people empowered, like like Nicole in this interview. You know, we have a community that's hurting right now, and we need problem solvers. It's it's so much more than just whining and moaning on social media about how terrible this person is. You know, it's about taking action, and Bitcoin gives us the opportunity to do it in a way that isn't violent. And I love that, because the last thing I want to see is my community just... Um, fall apart into chaos but yeah anyways that was really long-winded uh i hope you enjoyed this interview and have a good one